All right, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 15. And I will go ahead and say, I'm glad this week I can point you back to a text because the last couple weeks have been like all over the place. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one under a chair in front of you somewhere. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, don't own one, don't have access to one, you can stop by the info desk on your way out. Let us know. We'd love to put one in your hands. Um, so we are, I think Zach mentioned it earlier, I was a little late walking in, starting a new sermon series this morning. But before we get to that, uh, if you weren't here, we just finished up a sermon series last week on uh, raising up the next generation. Not really a, not really a parenting, I mean, it, part of it was parenting, but really just our job as a church to raise, train, equip uh, the next generation. So by a show of hands, how many of you believe it is our job as a church to raise, train, equip the next generation? All right, keep your hands up. Keep them high. Let me put them up high. All right, great. Um, so we have a need in our preschool ministry. <laughs> Not kidding, by the way. Uh, if, you would, uh, if you love Jesus and you love children, which apparently was all of you that just raised your hands up, um, this summer we have a couple of openings and some people are traveling and stepping, taking a step back and that sort of thing. So uh, if you are interested and willing in serving in our preschool ministry. Uh, you can see me after service. You can send me an email, jonas.larkin at vcbc.org. Or if you know who my wife is, Kelly, you can see her. Okay, we've got a couple needs through these summer months. So uh, I don't want to guilt you into it, but I may just have. And if it gets results, then, you know, it works. So anyways, shift. New series. All right, new series. Uh, we are starting a new series. Title slide is not up there, but uh, it's called, oh, there we go. Look at that. You speak and into existence. Um, this verse changed my life. Okay. I think the premise of the series, is, well, Lord willing, we'll be in this like through the summer. Okay. The premise is pretty self-explanatory. Right? You're going to verse change my life and then talk about that. But uh, I, what I want to do is lay kind of, so what, I want to lay some groundwork so you know what to expect this summer. Um, you, Lord willing, and the creek doesn't rise. Creek don't rise. That's how we say it in Kentucky. Um, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Um, we will spend all of June and July in this series. Of this first changed my life. And you, uh, again, Lord willing, will hear from a variety of voices. Okay, so you're going to hear from me this morning. You'll probably hear from me again at some point in the summer because I've got several verses I could use, right? Uh, but you're going to hear from staff members, Scott, Jacob. We got Luke on the schedule. Still working on Zach. Okay, we're still working on it. Um, right, you're going to hear from some guest preachers and guest speakers uh, throughout the summer. So we wanted to do something to where, like, I know summer's a time where we kind of leave and vacation and we're in and we're out and we're back and forth. Kind of a series to where, like, if you miss a week or two on vacation, you're not, like, trying to catch up. Okay. So through June and July, we're going to be in this series. You're going to hear from uh, a lot of different people. Uh, but man, for me this morning, trying to tackle this idea of this first change in my life, I was like, where do I even start with that? Right? Because this is, this is what I do for a living. All right? I preach the Bible. This is how I provide for my family. And I know what you're thinking. No, I don't get paid by the hour or the length of the sermon. Okay? Uh, that's not how it works. Um, but, but it's like, it was hard for me to preach or to pick just kind of one, one verse or one sermon. 
or one text. And so um, I did take a little creative liberties here, and, and I don't have just one verse this morning. I've got four verses that exist as a part of a larger passage. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's actually, if you uh, were here in January of 2021, it was, this is the same text I preached on my very first sermon as your campus pastor. Okay. Uh, but it won't be the same sermon, same text, but it won't be the same sermon because one, the, the word is living and active, right? It kind of lands on us differently, different times when we read it. Uh, two, I've grown to know you more. Um, hopefully I've grown to know the Lord and his word more. Uh, and then if all that fails, let's be real. You don't remember my first sermon anyways. So I could just preach it again and we'd be fine. Okay. But it's not exactly the same. Okay. So let me give you some context. First Corinthians 15, like I said, it's where we're going to be. But uh, let me give you some context because that's important. Context always important. Uh, this is first Corinthians is Paul's first uh, recorded letter to the Corinthian church. And we've talked about this because we've been in 1 Corinthians, kind of, we've referenced it a, a little bit over the last few weeks. Uh, it is a letter to a church that was honestly kind of a mess. Okay, had a lot of issues, a lot of stuff going on. I know it's easy to take shots at the church in the 21st century for all of our flaws, and there are plenty of them. But uh, it, we can look at the church in Corinth and be like, well, at least we came by it honest. Okay. Uh, because the church is messy, it's always been messy, it always will be messy on this side of eternity. And so, uh, but anyways, the, the church in Corinth had a lot of stuff going on, so Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians to kind of address some of, these, uh, some of these issues. So there's, there's division is a big theme, disagreements, there's, uh, he, he writes to address uh, sexual immorality, he writes to address, um, uh, and just, Spiritual gifts, right? Including the ones that make Baptist folk a little nervous. Okay, he writes about all those things. Uh, but, but in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, he, he starts to take aim at this other issue that apparently exist, existed in the Corinthian church. And it's um, men and women that did not believe in the physical bodily resurrection uh, of believers. Right? They just didn't believe that was, that was a thing. And so Paul's going to take aim at that in 1 Corinthians 15. 15. But what I want to show you this morning is not, like, I'm not trying to convince you of the bodily resurrection, okay? That would be a separate conversation for us to have. But what I want to point you to is where Paul kind of launches into this argument. He's going to spend all of 15 talking about or kind of making the case for uh, the resurrection of believers. But what I want to point you to is, is the foundation that Paul's going to build his argument on, and that's the gospel, Right? The gospel is, is what he's going to build everything else on, which is really kind of Paul's ministry. So let's read together 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. Pause. Right? Pause there. We haven't even made it through a first sentence yet. And like that clause is Packed with meaning. All right? It's packed with, with significance. There's three words I want to direct your attention to. The word remind, the word brothers, and the gospel. Okay? So we're going to spend most of our time kind of talking about that this morning, but I'm going to work backwards through it, starting with the gospel. All right? Here's, we jump down to verses 3 and 4 
uh, Paul really gives a really succinct summary of the gospel. He says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And here's what he says, That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, buried, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Right, so here you've, like, if you were to read on in chapter 15, you'd see Paul would go on and he'd start listing off all the different people that Jesus uh, appeared to after he rose from the dead. Because again, Paul's going to go on and make the case for the physical resurrection of the body, both Jesus and for believers one day. Um, but, but here, before he goes into any of that, he just says, here's the gospel. Right? That Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. That is the, the essence, the essential component of the gospel. Right? When you hear the word gospel, it means good news. And so really the gospel is an announcement before it is anything else. And according to Paul, this is the announcement. Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. He's no longer in the tomb. Okay? Now we can, we can like add some helpful explanation to that, some helpful commentary to that to help people understand uh, in more fullness what the gospel is or what it requires of them. But at its essence, that is the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and he rose again. Right? And in fact, that leads into, I've got two big points for you this morning, and then we'll talk about some application points at the end. Here's the first big point. The gospel saves us. Right? The gospel saves us. That's why Paul says in, in verse 3, right? he says that I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. As of first importance. There's nothing more important than the gospel. Right? It's, you can get a lot of things right, but if you get the gospel wrong, then it doesn't matter what else you get right. So Paul says the gospel is of first importance. Right? And it's belief in, trust in, the good news of the gospel that saves you from your sin. It's not, it's not your good behavior that saves you. It's not your church attendance that saves you. It's not your parents' faith that saves you. It's not the fact that your grandpa was a deacon that saves you. Right? None of those things save you from your sin. Right? The gospel is the good news that Jesus went to the cross, died on the cross to absorb all of God's wrath toward your sin and through belief in him, Trust in Him. Like that's what saves you. Right? You're saved by trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is the essence of the gospel message. So, so before, right, the series is, this verse changed my life. Before any verse will change your life, right, the gospel is what changes your life. Right, you can read Bible verses till you're blue in the face, but unless you believe the gospel, like, ain't none of that going to change your life. Right, now, those verses can lead you to the gospel, right? But you can know a lot about the Bible and not know Jesus as Savior. So it's the gospel that changes your life before any other, any other verse, right? It's belief in the gospel that, that transforms us from what Paul would say elsewhere, from children of wrath to children of God. You're not... You're not born a child of God. Right? You're born a child of wrath, is what Paul would say, but it's through belief in the gospel, trusting in Jesus, you're adopted into God's family, a child of God. It's, it's belief in the gospel that moves us from hopeless 
to hopeful, right? From, uh, from being separated from God, right? For all of eternity to being, um, and saved and, and not, not separated, but, but conjoined to God, like union with Christ uh, in eternal joy forevermore. It's, it's the gospel that saves us. And so if you've never if you've never believed the good news of the gospel, right, if you've never placed your faith, your trust in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, then that is of first importance for you this morning. Right, you don't catch anything else I say. Don't miss that. Right, now, many of you in here, you're like, yes, I believe that. I know that. I've been a Christian longer than you've been alive, Pastor. Be 36 years later this, if you're taking notes, okay. August 28th. I love, I love gummy bears, okay. I'm just, just mark all that down. I'm just saying, save it for later, okay. So maybe you're like, I've been a Christian. I know I'm saved. I know the gospel. This is great. What else is here for me? Well, I'm, it's interesting you would say that because Paul would like to have a word with you next. Right, go back to verse one again. He says, now I would, here's our, here's our word, remind you, and who's he talking to? Brothers. I would remind you, brothers. He's reminding, let's, first of all, let's talk about brothers. Paul's talking about brothers and sisters in this context. He's talking about people who are Christians. They've put their faith in Jesus Christ. They believe the gospel. This is not news to them. They've responded. They've repented. They've presumably been baptized. These are believers. And Paul says, hey, believers, brothers, sisters, Christians, I would remind you of the gospel. In fact, the word translated here as remind uh, could also be translated and is translated elsewhere in the Bible as make known. So the, the verse could be translated as now I would make known to you, brothers, the gospel I preach to you. Does this strike you as odd? That Paul would be talking to believers, Christians, who believe the gospel, and he would say, uh, hey, I want to remind you of something I've already told you. I want to make known to you something that I've already made known to you. Does that strike you as a little odd? Right now, If you're familiar with the New Testament, it shouldn't strike you as odd because this is what Paul does over and over and over again in his letters. If you break down the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the Gospels. You've got the book of Acts, which is kind of the story of the Gospel spreading into kind of the known world of that time. But then you get into Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, letters to different churches. And an Almost, not every letter, but in almost every letter, Paul begins his letter to churches by reminding them or explaining or teaching them the gospel. Right? He's writing to churches saying, hey, this is the gospel. Remember the gospel. Know the gospel. Right? Even, even the book of Galatians, uh, which he doesn't really do that in, in the book of Galatians, one thing he does do is uh, he, he comes in and uh, the Galatians had kind of departed from the gospel. And so he comes in like, normally Paul comes in and he's like, hey, grace and peace to you, man. Uh, just pray for you. Love you guys. You guys are awesome. And Galatians, he comes in. He's like, what are you, 
what, what the heck are you doing? You've abandoned the gospel. Right? That's what Paul, he doesn't use those exact words. May have paraphrased that a little bit. Right? But Paul is adamant about teaching and reminding believers of the importance of the gospel. Now, why would Paul do that? Why would Paul expend great effort and energy telling people who have responded to the gospel about the gospel? Like, shouldn't he be preaching the gospel to people who don't believe? Well, yeah, and he does that. That's how these churches, like, came to be in the first place. Right? But, but Paul spends a lot of time, spills a lot of ink reminding people who believe the gospel about the gospel. And that leads to my second point, is that not only does the gospel save us, but I would submit to you this morning, as believers, Christians, followers of Jesus, the gospel not only saves us, but the gospel strengthens us. Right? The gospel strengthens us. Let's look at, look at verses 1 and 2 again. Right. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. We just covered that. But look what he does next. Which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Now, I know school is out. I don't see any kids in here. I was going to say we could do a little grammar lesson here. Uh, you know what? I've, we've talked about this. It, would, it wouldn't hurt us all to brush up on grammar. Okay? Again, I, I've gotten your text message and your emails. So... Um, So let's do it. Verse 1, right? Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. Now catch this. Which you received. That is what tense? Past tense. You guys are doing great. I was waiting for somebody in the back to be like, Jesus, the answer in church is always Jesus. And that's not the answer in this case, okay? The God, it's coming off the rails. So I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, past tense, in which you stand, present tense. I'm going to tell you, the next one's tricky, okay? And by which you are being saved. It's not entirely future tense. It's something that uh, people much smarter than me tell me is called present progressive or present continuous tense, which means this is an action that began is ongoing and will continue into the future. And if that's not right, the internet told me otherwise, and the internet's always right. So, but, but here's why this matters, all right? Here's the reason for the grammar lesson, right? The gospel, according to Paul, the gospel is good news for your past. And praise God. Anybody got a past? Yes, okay. The gospel is good news, not just for your past, though. It's good news for your present. Right? Anybody got a present? Okay? So the gospel is good news for your past. It's good news for your present. But it's also good news for your future, if you believe. And when I say the gospel is good news for your future, I'm not just talking about eternity. I'm talking about your future between this moment right here and the moment you step into eternity, the gospel's good news for that too. It's that space, right? It's that space that the gospel is, is good news. It's in that space between this moment and the moment we step into glory that the gospel sustains us and strengthens us day after day after day. 
And so the implication for us here, if you're a believer, is that you do not graduate from the gospel. Right? There's, there's no point in your Christian journey where you're like, yes, I've got the gospel, let's move on to something better. There's nothing better. Okay? Right? The, the gospel is, like, it's, it's not just for people that don't believe. The gospel is for believers. It's what, right? It, like, if we're honest, sometimes we think about the gospel, we think about it's, it's just for um, the people outside of these walls. The gospel is just for the 80 to 85% of Hardin County that's not in church on a typical Sunday. And the gospel is for those people. And we, man, I, I hope and pray that we reach more of those people with the gospel. But the gospel is not just for the 80 to 85% out there. It is for them, but it's for, it's for us. The gospel is for, for us. Is how uh, Tim Keller explains it. I've quoted Tim Keller a lot. I just, he's smart. Okay, uh, here's here's what he wrote in a book on. Uh, it's actually a book on church planning, but it's he's a gospel guy. Here's what he says. He says the gospel is not just the ABCs, but the A to Z of the Christian life. It is inaccurate to think the gospel is what saves non Christians. And then Christians mature by trying hard to live according to biblical principles. It is more accurate to say that we are saved by believing the gospel and then we are transformed in every part of our minds and our hearts and our lives by believing the gospel more and more deeply as life goes on. That's, that's what he would say. You never, you never get past the gospel. You just go deeper and deeper into it. Now that sounds really wise. That sounds really amazing. But what do you do with it? Right? right? What are the handles for me to hold on to here? And so I've got some examples of, I think, how this plays out in real life. I stole some of them from an article I read called, Why Do Christians Need to Hear the Gospel Every Day? Right? And here's a few points that I have elaborated on. Right, the first thing, we need to hear the gospel to move us toward praise and thanksgiving. Like, I, I just don't know what should elicit more praise and gratitude in us right, than being reminded of, of how hopeless we would be apart from the good news of Jesus Christ. Right, that should elicit some genuine praise and thanksgiving like, in our hearts. Right, we need to Hear the gospel to remind us of our identity in Christ. Right? We are so prone. We, we, we finite human beings. We live in this temporary world. We are so prone to put our identity in, in temporary things. Not even, not, I'm not saying bad things, just temporary things. We can put our identity in our careers, our families, our reputations, our titles, and the gospel reminds us that our identity is not, not primarily found in the things of this life. Right? My primary identity is not a pastor. My primary identity is not a husband. My primary identity is not a father. My primary identity is that I am an adopted child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's my ultimate identity. If you're a believer, that's your ultimate identity. 
Right? And, and the things of this world could strip everything away. It could strip career away. It could strip family away. It could strip reputation, title. All those things could go by the wayside. And because of the gospel, your identity doesn't change. Right? I've, I've given my life to, to gospel ministry. Y'all could vote me out of here tomorrow. I hope you don't. Okay, food. I got a family to feed, right? And I think if you were going to vote me out, it would have been after last week's sermon, probably, honestly. <laughs> You can vote me out here tomorrow. My identity doesn't change as a child of God. Right? So the gospel reminds us of our identity. We need to hear the gospel to sustain our weary souls. Anybody just get tired? Right? Anybody just say life is hard? I mean, I've had an easy life. I'm not, I'm spoiled. I acknowledge it. I have an easy life, and I still know enough to know that life is hard. And it's the, it's the good news of the gospel, the hope of the gospel, the promise of the gospel that sustains us, right? Gives our faith some roots to it so that when life gets hard, right? So when there's, there's seasons of drought and there's trials and there's difficulties, right? It's the gospel that roots us in, and keeps us firm and unwavering, right? It, the gospel sustains us. We need to hear it. We need to hear the gospel. We need to hear the gospel to keep us from sin. Right? There are few things that will uh, sober you, should sober you, to the danger and consequences of sin than, than remembering and being reminded of, I guess that's just two ways of saying the same thing, being reminded of the great lengths that Jesus went to to pay for your sin. Body, broken, blood. The Son of God was murdered for your sin. I can't think of many things that should sober us to the dangers of sin more than that. And so we need to hear the gospel to keep us from sin. Right, we need to hear the gospel to keep us from despair. Right, to keep us from despair. Right, one of the greatest truths of the gospel message, Romans 8.1, that there is now no condemnation, none, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? There's, just, there's this weird thing that happens. If you're a Christian, you're following Jesus, and you're trying to grow in spiritual maturity, there's this weird thing that happens where um, like the more, the more mature you get in your faith, the more you realize you don't really have it all together. Right, that's just kind of how it works. Like the longer you follow Jesus, the more you realize like, man, I've got a long way to go. Right? And, and that's what's easy then is to move into like despair. And the gospel would call us out of that. Right? Because the gospel tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. So that when your past sin haunts you, and the gospel says that's, that's paid for, that's done. There's, it's gone removed as far as the east is from the west, right? When, you're, and when your present struggles feel like they are winning, it's the gospel that reminds you there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For that moment in the future that you don't know about yet, when you just royally blow it and that moment will come, it's not a matter of when, but if. When you blow it, 
promises of the gospel. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the gospel keeps us from, from despair. And then here, one I think all of us need at various times, the gospel. We need to hear the gospel every day because it destroys our pride. Right? Just crushes, breaks our pride. Right? For as much as we love to give off the vibe that we've got it all together. Right? That, that we're awesome. The gospel's like, are you though? Because if you were awesome... There's no need for Jesus to have to die. You could, you could cover your own sin. Right? The gospel outs us. The gospel is like, you're not as great as you think you are. You're actually kind of terrible, to be quite honest. That's what the gospel says. Right? The gospel says you're not good enough. Uh, you're, you're not awesome all the time. Right? But you don't have to be. Because Jesus was Right? And, and here's what's amazing about that is that helps us to sort of drop the facade like we've, we're just over here killing it. Right? We're free to be like, I'm, I got issues, man. I'm a mess. I got sin. I got struggles. The gospel's like, yeah, of course you do. That's why the gospel's good news. It meets us in our sin and our struggles. It destroys our pride to, to constantly be reminded that somebody else Somebody else had to pay the price for our sin, that we weren't good enough to do it. It crushes our pride. So for these reasons, and, and more, right? we, could do this, we could do this all afternoon if we wanted to, but for these reasons and more, like, you still need to be reminded of the good news of the gospel regularly, whether you've been a Christian 15 minutes or 50 years. Right? The gospel is still good news to you. So yes, the gospel is for evangelism, it's for salvation, right? It's required for those things, but it's not just for those things. The gospel is for discipleship and sanctification and spiritual maturity and growth, right? We don't, you don't grow past it, you don't graduate from it, right? You don't get to a point where you no longer need it, right? You grow deeper and deeper into it as you follow Jesus Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Right? Because the gospel strengthens and sustains us. So, I got a couple application points here. All right, I'm gonna, before we land the plane. Um, first, let me give the first one separate from the other three, so let me give, the, give you the first one, and then we'll come back. Here's the first one if you're here and you're not a Christian, one, I'm thrilled that you're here. I hope you feel welcome. I hope you feel wanted. And that's not just like me talking, like I really want you to feel welcome and, and wanted here. Right, but if you're not a Christian, uh, this first application point is specifically for you. Right, when it comes to the gospel, before anything else, before any of these points I'm going to talk about in just a minute, you've got to first repent and believe the gospel. Right, before anything else, the first step, first point of application is to turn from your sin. To turn from your way of thinking like, I'm going to just do what I want to do, what's best for me. And to put your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So if you're here this morning, you're like, man, I don't, I don't know if I've ever done that. I don't really know what that means, but I'd like to know more. 
awesome. Right? I'll be here. I'll be down front here in the end of the service here in just a minute. You can catch me after service. Would love to have a conversation with you about what it means to repent and believe the gospel. Okay? So, now the rest of these are going to be for you if you are a Christian. All right, so that was for non-Christians. Repent, believe. If you're a Christian, perk your ears up. Here we go. Here's point number one for you. Remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. So Paul said to the Corinthians, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. So the application point for you, straight from the text, remember the gospel. All throughout the Bible, God constantly reminds his people of how he has moved and worked and acted to save them. In the Old Testament, when God saves the Israelites from Slavery in Egypt, he's constantly pointing them back that, hey, remember what I did for you. Remember how I saved you. Remember how I delivered you. Remember how I provided for you. Remember how I sustained you. All right, he tells them to sing songs to remind themselves and to set up altars to, to be reminded. Right? We should remind ourselves, remember often what God has done to save us. Right? Remember the gospel. I'm convinced that one of the ways that we'll walk in and more consistency and greater faithfulness is just by remembering frequently, consistently, often how God has saved us through life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, we're going to do that in a really tangible way here in just a minute. Uh, you guys see the, the Lord's Supper, the communion uh, supplies up here up front. In just a minute, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper. And this is one of the most visible, tangible ways that we remember the gospel, right? We remember Jesus' body broken for us. We remember Jesus' blood shed for us. When, when Jesus instituted this, the Lord's Supper, he said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. Right? If you grew up in church, you remember the big tables up here that had like the little thing across the front that said, do this in remembrance of me. Right? That's what we do when we receive the Lord's Supper. And we're going to do that here in just a minute. And if you're here and you are a Christian, I would invite you to come, receive that. Be reminded of what Jesus has done for you. All right, and then here's second point. So we remember the gospel. Two, rest. Rest in the gospel. I've always been struck in John 15, how Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them, like, here's how you bear fruit. Here's how you, for lack of a better word, productive as a disciple. Not by trying harder. Not by working harder. Not by being better. Not by pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. And if you're familiar with John 15, there's one word he repeats like, I think it's at least 10 times, maybe more, in just a few short verses. It's the word abide. Remain. Stay. Rest. You want to bear fruit as a Christian. You want to grow and mature as a Christian. It won't be by just like white knuckle trying to do things better and do things harder. I'm not saying that being a Christian doesn't require effort. It does. Right? I'm not saying being a Christian is easy. It's not. But what I'm saying is, is you bear fruit by resting in the good news of the gospel. Right? And it's that, that's where you actually begin to experience some growth. 
to, to be reminded that and your past sins are covered, that your current struggles are covered, that your future flaws and failures are covered. Right? Just, and that's a liberating thing, and that's where we find and experience growth. Right? You don't have to add anything to the gospel. You receive it and you rest in it. You believe Jesus' words on the cross when he said, it is finished, like it was actually finished. It's not like Jesus saves you and then you've got to do your best to keep yourself there. No, Jesus saves you. Rest in the gospel. Right, and then finally, so remember the gospel, rest in the gospel. It's the third thing. Repeat the gospel. Right, look again one, one more time at verse 3. Right, Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. In other words, Paul is a, he's functioning as a conduit of the gospel message. The gospel came to him in order so that it might go through him to others. Right? And, and if the gospel is really of first importance, and it is, and if the gospel really does save us, and it does, and if the gospel really does strengthen us, and it does, then it's worth repeating. It's worth repeating. It's worth repeating to, to those who do not yet know or believe the good news about Jesus, to those outside of these walls, or that 80 to 85% of Hardin County that I referenced earlier, it's worth repeating to them. The people in your workplaces, your neighborhoods, your uh, your teams, your, right, the places you play and run, and gosh, maybe in your own homes. But it's also worth repeating to people who already know the gospel. Right? People in your sphere of influence who just need to be encouraged by the good news of Jesus, who need to be reminded of the good news of Jesus in the same way that you need to be reminded of the good news of Jesus. The Lord has, has placed you where you are on purpose for a purpose that you might preach the gospel to both those who uh, have yet to believe and those who've already believed. Right? So we repeat the gospel. So here's where we'll set down the plane. I'll leave you with the words of Paul one more time. Not because you don't know them. Clearly I've said them a lot. But just because it's good for us to be reminded so I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preach to you which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you unless you believed in vain the gospel saves us the gospel strengthens us so remember it rest in it and repeat it. All right, let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning and Lord, just grateful uh, that, that we can gather in this place to be reminded, to reorient our hearts and minds around the truths of the best news that the world has ever heard, that, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose again. And so, Father, this morning, 
uh, just thinking of the, the people in the room, uh, Lord, the reality is, is we're all going to fall into one of two categories. Either we've, we've never believed this news or we have believed this news. And so for those who've never believed, if they're here this morning, Lord, I pray that you would or give them the courage and boldness to step into that, to, to repent, turn from their sin, and to trust in, in Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that you give them the, or just the courage to have a conversation, to ask, to approach myself or someone and say, man, I, I need to know more about this. So Father, I pray for, for those people here this morning, and then I pray for what I would suspect are many more this morning that we have believed the gospel. We just need to be reminded of the good news of it. And so I pray this morning that you would, or that you would remind us. Maybe, maybe kind of in our, in our lives, we sort of thought about that as something that was for way back then or for the past, but now, now we're trying to be, be strengthened and like in the, in our own effort. Lord, would you just remind us of the good news of Jesus and what that means for us, that there's no more striving, that there's no more trying, there's no more working, there's no more... Lord, you've given us all that we need. So help us to not only remember it, but to rest in it. And then, Father, to be faithful to repeat it in the places and spaces in which you've sent us. So Lord, we love you, we praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.